Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 95 of Teaching Tales, the podcast totally devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. I'm your host, Brent Coley, an elementary principal in beautiful Southern California. And joining me today for, John, how many times is it? Is this, I, this isn't just a return guest. I, this is the third time of the third, or, It might even be the fourth time. I think it's the fourth time. The only four-time guest. The one and only John, or no, the one and only Dr. John Ike. How do you like them apples right there? Oh, look at that. My phone's ringing now. Yeah, Dr. John Ike. This is the first time I've done a podcast where like I'm a doctor. There you go. This is a super new experience. This is our, maybe our fourth time jamming together. Uh, Brent, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you and I vox each other all the time on the Voxer. I feel like we talk all, all the time, but I'm excited to talk about today's topic, man. Uh, you kind of gave me a, a little peek behind the curtain of what the topic was, uh, but I, I, I'm all in, man. I'm buckled up, ready for the roller coaster. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm. This is. I had this idea. I wrote a blog post about kind of what we're going to talk about today a few years ago, and I thought, gosh, this would be a fun podcast to do, and who who better to do it with than John Ike? So what, what we're going to do, and now the title of this episode is Changing the Conditions of the Test, which for anyone listening, it's like, what does that mean? Changing the conditions of the test. So to set the stage, well, first of all, for people who haven't listened to the previous three episodes, I almost forgot. John, tell us about yourself. Who, who yeah, are yeah, you? I, I know who you are, because we. but who? I, for those of you who don't know, who's John Ike? I'm a five foot seven or three. I love uh, the you know, beach trips, man. I am a I'm a 23 year educator in the uh, in the uh, in the same zip code. I'm in North Sacramento. Uh, our zip code uh, has been ranked by the New York Times as one of the top three most diverse zip codes in the nation. It's the most beautiful place on the planet. I love where I live and where I work. My children have grown up in this district. I've been part of this district for a long time. Um, I'm currently a, you know a superintendent of a little charter school. That means the principals work for me and I worked directly for the board. But uh, prior to that, I was, yeah, I was a high school principal, high school teacher. I've been a director of instructional technology for a whole district, uh, you know, serving about 16,000 kids. So, you know, I've been around the block a few times in a couple different positions, but they've all been right here in this little location in North Sacramento. It's a a little neighborhood called Natomas, uh, if anybody knows it. And, uh, you know, man, I'm that guy, no no joke, like I'm that guy (laughs) just totally loves education. I, I just finished up my doctorate. Um, people are like, why'd you go get a doctorate? You're like 50 years old. I'm going to need another college degree for it. I'm like, I don't really know. I feel like I was like, I lost a bet or something. I was okay, I'll do this. And it, I love it. I nerd out on all the edu uh, things. And um, so I'm in the right job for me. And I am surrounded by amazing family, amazing coworkers and an incredible community. So that's me, man. I'm John Ike. And I'm super excited to be here and talk edu. Oh, that's awesome. And, and, I watched you defend your dissertation and it was, it was a joy. I mean, I was, my mind was blown with everything. I mean, you, you learned a ton and it was, I learned a ton from watching you and listening to you. So congrats on that, my friend. Yeah, thanks, I, brother. That was a cool experience. Thanks for being there. Absolutely. It was my, my pleasure. Honored. So, all right. So let's, let's jump into the topic today. We're going to take a page out of a pot, out of a, uh, uh, Someone from our PLN, a podcast, Teaching Keating, Weston Kieschnick. I know that you, we've both listened to that. Love that guy. Uh, it's awesome. Weston, Weston and his wife, Molly, have a podcast called Teaching Keating. So, Weston, if you're listening to this, love the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, what they do, if you haven't heard it, is they take 
uh, movies, television shows, and they relate it to education. They take the theme from the movie, they take the characters, what have you, and they relate it to education. We're going to take a page out of that. It, it, homage, is that how you pronounce it? To, to yeah. Weston. It, we're going to take a page. I'm going to just play a clip from just a sec, in just a sec. And we're going to basically take that. You'll see where I'm going to go. Now, the clip, the movie, we're going old school, John. Oh, it's, yeah. Bring it. Star Trek II, The Wrath oh. of Khan. The Wrath of Khan. The, exactly. The Wrath of Khan. Now, for anyone listening who's going, oh, my gosh. He's a Trekkie. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I'm not a Trekkie. You don't have to be a Trekkie. Just trust me. Stay with me. Don't hit the stop. Here we go. So I'm going to set the stage. It's a 45 second clip. But here's the stage. We've all heard of Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk, the star, the, the captain of the Starship Enterprise. So this clip before it's talking about when he was in the academy, when he was basically learning to to be a star person i mean <laughs> learning to oh, be person. a captain yeah. he he was in the academy and he had to take a test called the kobayashi maru which is basically a test that put cadets in a position a no-win situation the whole test was designed what is this person going to do when they're faced with a no-win scenario so it's basically a test that you could not pass because they wanted to see what you would do it's a test that you could not pass except Kirk passed it. it. It's an unpassable test, except he did. So I'm going to play you a clip right now. And in this clip, somebody else is asking him, hey, Captain, can you tell me about what happened here? So let me go ahead and play this clip, and then we'll come back and we will talk about it. Sir, may I ask you a question? What's on your mind, Lieutenant? The Kobayashi Maru, sir. Are you asking me if we're playing out that scenario now? On the test, sir. Will you tell me what you did? I would really like to know. Lieutenant, you are looking at the only Starfleet cadet who ever beat the no-win scenario. How? I reprogrammed the simulation so it was possible to rescue the ship. What? He cheated. I changed the conditions of the test. Got a commendation for original thinking. I don't like to lose. Then you never faced that situation. Face death. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. Okay. He looks so young in that clip. Is it crazy? Is it crazy? Yeah. It's like we're 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 much older than he is in that clip there, which is crazy. A little disconcerting. So so I love that clip because he passes an unwinnable test and somebody says, How'd you do it? And he says, I reprogrammed the computer so that I could pass it. I and they said, oh, you cheated. No, I changed the conditions of the test. So this got me thinking. It's kind of like if education, the, the, the institution that we know is the test, how can we change the conditions of the test? Essentially, how, could we, how can we rewrite the unwritten rules of education, those things that, that have either always been and they've always been that way or we've, tradition, we've accepted them as the, the right way to do things. And maybe we should stop accepting those as the right way to do things. So 
what I ask you to do and, and what you and I have both done is we've come up with a list of, uh, of two or three things that we think, hey, this is the way it's always been. This is the unwritten rule. This is the condition of the test, but it shouldn't be. How could we reprogram to win, to, to, to win the no-win scenario? I love it. And I hadn't seen the clip and you told me on the Voxer, hey, we're going to be talking about kind of rewriting Edu. But now that I've watched the clip, it's so dramatic, right? It's William Shatner. Like, I don't like to lose. I love it, man. I love it. And and I just love it because I think we need to be more like Captain Kirk because because I I jotted three things down. Like he said, I don't like to lose. And what if we translated that as I hate it when students don't learn? Yeah, 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 right. And, and he says, I don't believe in a no-win scenario, which translate that like, I don't accept the notion that all students can't learn. Yeah. And lastly, which is the, the, the podcast theme, I changed the conditions of the test, which really means I did whatever it took for students to learn, I, whatever it takes. So, so let's let's just jump right in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's, you, let, let's it, undo. Let's undo. Some let's undo so, so those things that have always been, but not doesn't don't necessarily shouldn't be. So, yeah. you want to start, or you want me to start? Uh, gosh, you want you want Rochambeau? We're on Zoom. We can we can rock paper. Ooh, let's let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 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 so it's one two three shoot. One two three shoot. On, Got shoot. it. Right. I'll shoot. Ready? One two three Ready? shoot. shoot. There's a little oh. lag in, in, in it. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, one, one, two, two three, shoot. Are you oh, paper? You okay. got it. You I got win. it. You win. win. So you go first. For whoever's driving their car right now, I think, are you guys really doing rock paper? We, we, we really just did rock paper. This could be the first rock, paper, scissors in a podcast. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, hope, I hope you get that award for that. That, uh, that was, that was <laughs> well played. Well played. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, right? This whole this whole idea of like how would you how would you undo the rules to the test to make sure that you know that Captain Kirk, meaning our kids, could win the test. You know, one of the things that I was kind of riffing on as I thought about this is you know there's this really cool book uh, called Tinkering Toward Utopia. It's uh, by uh, uh, Tyak and Cuban, and their whole premise is if it, it, it's an easy read, go check it out. It is a uh, uh, Tinkering Toward Utopia. And their whole thing is like. There's this thing called the grammar of school, the way that we speak school, the language of school, the the constructs of school that were really established at the beginning of public ed in in America. And for 200 years, really, we haven't been able to break those constructs. There's certain grammar of school that we haven't been able to break. And and part of this is um, what we're talking about today, right? Like, how do... How do you make reform in edu that is actually breaks um, the foundational pieces so that you can customize, personalize, do better for kids and not just like tinkering with the fringe, like, oh, let's change, um, you know, a, a little bit on the fringe of the conversation. No, how do we get really to the root of it? And one of the things I think that's at the root of it is this concept of, uh, have you heard, uh, it's a great little po- uh, a YouTube uh, uh, TED talk about the jagged profile. And it says this, like, it says that in edu, because when you're teaching your own child something, you have one child, or maybe you have two kids or three kids at home, you really know your child. And so you know your child's strengths, you know your child's weaknesses. Now, when you're teaching the neighborhood kids, you got three or four kids, and it gets a little harder. When you got 25 kids in your class, you're trying to teach 25 different human beings a singular topic. And so you have to start like, teaching toward the average, like being like, well, well, most mm-hmm. kids will get it this way. 
Like I know I can't do it 25 different ways. I can't. It's impossible to teach the concept of fractions 25 different ways for 25 different kids. We only got, we only got, you know, seven hours in the day or whatever it is. Um, This is the part that I would want to break the, this, this idea that, um, that we have to find these, the average that we we recognize every student as an individual and go, Hey, look, they have what's called a jagged profile. And, and by jagged, it means they have, they have strengths. My strengths are Brent's weaknesses and Brent's strengths are my weaknesses and our profiles don't line up well. So I don't know how to solve that without a massive influx of increased staffing. So if I looked Mm -hmm. in the classroom and I go, Hey, look, uh, you go back to like the James Garner, like uh, this w- 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 this multiple intelligences concept that we all learned at one point. Like, okay, Brent needs to learn kinesthetic. Johnny needs to learn it musically. Yeah. Susie needs to learn it visually. And Bobby needs to learn it uh, auditorily. Well, hey, no teacher can do that. Mm-hmm. I am sorry. Like, I don't care. I, I don't care who you are. Super teacher. You can't yeah. do every lesson that personalized. So, hey, if we're really breaking it, Brent, if we're like reprogramming the system, then I want to infuse education with like five times the staffing and teach, like have teacher teams assigned to a classroom so you can break them up into small groups and and have certificated staff uh, really teaching to the strengths of each child uh, uh, in a real personal. Because, look, I, I don't think we could do that today. Uh, with the funding we have, but if we're breaking the system, I put more people in the in the system so that kids can get the personalized um, instruction that they need to meet their personal strengths. Because otherwise, when you t- start teaching toward the average, you immediately fall into a deficit model. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm using all these visual cues, but Brent's not a visual kid. Brent has a deficit. So now, now Brent's a deficit kid, as opposed to if I had the right amount of people on on staff. I could teach to Brent's strength, which is kinesthetic. And now it's not a deficit model anymore. So that was a long way around a silly idea, but it is how do we personalize for kids without killing teachers? Yeah. The poor teacher is trying to do it all. And it's just, it's, it's impossible. No, I, I, I I love that. It's yeah. We talk about lowering class size, small group instruction, the importance of stuff like that. And there's been research that said like lowering class size by itself doesn't, just, just, I mean, if you lower class size, but you do the same thing, what you just talked about, still teaching to the middle, is not going to, it's not going to make a difference. Right. But if you lower in class size because you had multiple teachers that enable them to do more personalized instruction, now that's a game changer. Yeah, and I think getting back at it, I mean, I think that in reality, if you were to lower class sizes for the purpose of personalizing for kids and teachers had the appropriate training, the appropriate tools, the appropriate strategies to do that, you know, that's a step in the direction of my crazy outlandish idea. Uh, Because, yeah, who could really hire five teachers for 25 kids? But if you could, like if you could do anything, yeah, I, I think that's why you would do that. I love it. I love it. What do you got, man? Uh, redraft the test. Okay, so so my mine is, and it's something that traditionally, probably probably when you and I came in, it's that um, classrooms don't have to be quiet. Oh. That that silence doesn't necessarily equal engagement. Yeah. And I mean, I know that you you will agree with me. Like you've walked through how many? hundreds, thousands of classrooms. And historically, it was the type of thing that, well, when the principal walks through, you better be quiet 
because that because kids be quiet when the principal because that shows it hey look they're quiet they're working they're on task but i think what we found over the years and reachers I mean, just because they're quiet doesn't mean they're engaged just because they're quiet doesn't mean they're learning just because they're i mean because how many times have you seen you walk into a class and you see the quiet kiddo his head is down He's asleep. He's fiddling with uh, the ruler in his desk or what. I mean, he's not making any noise. He's not disrupting others learning, but he's not engaged himself and, or herself. And I just, I just think that, that we need to get away from, from that, that mindset that quiet is good because there's a difference between productive noise yeah. and off-task noise. And, and, and you can tell it very quickly when you walk into a classroom. I, I think I would have done better in school as a young, uh, young learner. Um, if we're using the models that I see today, you know, the, the 21st century learning, the four C's collaboration, creativity, critical mm -hmm. thinking and, and, and communication. Like when we lean on the four C's, then that collaboration is a part of learning. That communication is a part of learning. The, the out loud productive creativity is a part of learning. I would have done much better in that yeah. environment. Because I was the kid in the corner trying to get quiet, get quiet so you can learn, John. I'm like, well, if 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 quiet is the only, but way that's not how we learn. learn. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if if quiet was the only way we learn, we go to church and just read the Bible. You you'd show up and there'd be no one on the stage speaking. Like, why do you, it, yeah. you just read? Like, there's it's it's uh it, it's so true, Brent. Like I, and there is time for quiet productivity. Sure, and I love me some messy learning. I I love it. Yeah, I go to a science class and kids got you know, small groups going, they're rocking it with materials and, 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 uh, and learning hands-on. I think we have entered into the best, you know, the best, the best time in edu. This is a time when experimentation and these types of like yeah. uh, models for productivity are, are so different than they were, you know, when you and I went to school. Yeah. We're uh, exactly the same age. So we graduated at exactly the same time. Yep. Exactly. Um, All right. Back at you. Your turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, it's interesting because I think maybe what I'm about to lay down is it, it, in part uh, uh, couples with what you talked about where, you know, quietness doesn't mean productivity. Um, I really think that when we talk about, I don't know, redrafting the test or, or, or retooling mm -hmm. the test, what let's talk about that word, the test. Let's talk about assessment. Um, mm. I, I got to tell you, I am such a, a believer that the big change in edu, I mean, one- one of the big changes in edu is the adoption of authentic assessment. Mm -hmm. the, the assessments, um, again, it goes back to that personalization. It goes back to that not teaching to the average. It goes back to like, you might want to uh, assess Johnny one way and Susie a different way. The, uh, you and I, it's okay for us to demonstrate mastery in different ways. Again, this makes it super hard for the teacher. So I'm just going to be like, sorry. Like, yeah. I know that the teacher's like, well, I don't want to test 25 different ways. And, and that's really not what I'm uh, calling, but, but I am saying that like part of me says, Hey, great state of California. Let me introduce you to Mrs. Smith. Uh, she went and got a college degree. Uh, she got a college degree in early uh, elementary ed. Then she went out and got a specialized credential that was overseen by the great state of California. She's credentialed. Then the California commission on teacher credentialing credentialed her and said, you are an expert in education. And part of the expertise is you understand how to measure mastery. Now, 
oh, we don't trust you to assess the kid and tell us whether or not that kid is past your grade level. We're going to give you a fill in the blank bubble test that like, I'm like, hey, these people are credentialed. Let them develop and utilize authentic assessments and then have some formulaic way to report out those assessments to the state. So we can say in Mrs. Smith's class, you know, uh, 12 of the kids exceeded standard, nine of the kids, standards, and three of them are are, are approaching standard. But like, why don't we trust Mrs. Smith to do that? Or why don't we train Mrs. Smith to make sure she can do that so we can remove the inauthentic assessment and allow authentic assessment to tell us who these kids are because there are kids out there walking on in our institutions that are brilliant and they have no idea and their parents don't know how brilliant they are because we keep telling them oh they answered number seven wrong on the multiple choice question they you know i'm like hey let's find another way for kids to demonstrate mastery and let's put some of the power back in the expert in the room and I bet we'll find less deficit thinking and more like, wow, this kid demonstrated mastery in a way that I guess if we had not given them the opportunity, we wouldn't have known they know what they know. Love it. And gosh, we're so, <laughs> we're so I mean, I love it because it's engagement too. I, and I, it's, I just had the similar, I've had similar conversations with our teachers about what you just said, letting them demonstrate mastery. And if there's more than one way to demonstrate mastery, whether it's book report, you think I'm just thinking off the top of my head, the traditional book report, but could, could they show their, their, their knowledge of the book or whatever it is by creating a video or, or writing a poem or writing a rap or something? I mean, like if we, if we start with what is the learning objective, yeah. start there what is, and backward plan. What's the learning objective? And now say, show me that you can do this. How you show me is up to you. But imagine, I, I always come back to the Minecraft. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, like uh, if you've seen the video of the, the fourth grade student who built the San Diego de Ocala mission in Minecraft. Have you ever seen that? I've you know, not seen the video, but I've heard about it. And since my daughter and I play a little Minecraft, I'm like, oh, I can totally see building a mission. Is it legit? Is it like oh, I mean- if you if you go to YouTube and just do a search for Minecraft San Diego mission, it's probably the last time I checked, it'll probably be the first hit. You've got a, a, a nine-year-old who basically built in Minecraft the entire mission Epic. and and then does a fly-through tour talking about everything that he learned right. about this about about the padres and how they worked with the native americans and and this is the well and this is how they fed them and it, and it's about a 6 or 7 minute video and the kid he demonstrates his knowledge of learning about the california standard in fourth grade which is learning about the california missions now compare that to building a building yeah. a sugar cube mission or going to michaels and buying the michaels kit. Which I come back to, it's like, well, what was the learning objective? Right. Was it to be able to use a glue gun? Or was it to demonstrate knowledge of the history of Californians? I mean, and if that's the learning objective, going to Michael's and building the kit, not the skills that are necessarily to, to meet that learning objective. So if we align the learning objective to, and if you just imagine, John, if you said, your homework is, or you get to choose. If you yeah. want to build it in Minecraft, build it in Minecraft. Kids, what? I, 
I, I get to, my homework is to do Minecraft. Minecraft? I would tell I mean, my mom. Would you write me a note from my mom? Exactly. I mean. Yeah. Well, I, you know what's cool about that? And this is kind of off topic, but like also that kid uh, producing that and putting it on YouTube uh, creates authentic audience. audience right? yes. And so as a student, I'm like, okay, I'll put together the sugar cubes because only my teacher, Mrs. Smith, is going to see it. And whatever. I love Mrs. Smith. She's great. But you're like, oh, wait, this is going on my YouTube channel? Yeah. Well, I'm, blow- I'm blowing it up. This is going to be a killer, uh, a killer, uh, 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 you know, example of what I know, right? It's so funny. I'm just, I'm just pulling it up here. I just pulled it up on YouTube. 70,000 views. It's a four-minute video. But this, wow. kid, but this, it's a four-minute video. But if you watch it, this kid, he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. And, and I just, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So, okay. My second one, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, piggybacking honestly. on, on what you said about uh, assessment and which kind of that authentic assessment there. And I come back to, and I mentioned the word homework. That, that, that's be, what I would say is homework. Um, there's a conversation that we've had with, with my staff is, reflecting upon homework practices now historically there's always been homework sure every every everybody gives homework but why because because we have to right because because if we don't give homework kids aren't learning um except the research isn't there to back that up i mean mm-hmm. alfie cone's bunch done a bunch of work there i mean like especially at the elementary levels there's zero research zero that supports academic that that homework leads to academic achievement so i don't want to turn this into a complete uh homework uh rant against homework but but i but my question would be if you're giving homework it's to ask yourself the question why am i giving what i'm giving question number two what am i doing with it when i once i get it done and if the answer to the first question is, why am I giving what I'm giving? B, well, because it's what I've always done. Not, that's not good enough. Sure. And number two, what am I doing with it? Like, am I giving feedback on what they're doing? And because how often have we had those packets that are sent home? Kids do packets. And what, what happens? It comes, it's a 30-page packet. And it's Friday night. And you got all these packets. And, 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 and you know, yeah, you're doing it right now. It's like, check, check, check. And then where does it go? goes in the wastebasket, right? Mm-hmm. It goes, goes in the trash. So I contend is if you're not getting feedback, if they practice and they did a 30 page packet, what if they're doing it wrong? Yeah. What if they were doing it wrong? And now they've just practiced the wrong way for 30, for 30 pages. I mean, the example I use is the word withdrawal, the word withdrawal, W I T H D R A W A L. For the longest time, I spelled it W-I-T-H-D-R-A-W-L. I think as you said A-L, I was like, oh, is there an A in there? And for the longest, I spelled it the wrong way. And it wasn't until just a few years ago that I was typing it in Word and got the little red squiggly underneath that said it's spelled wrong. And I'm like, what? What do you mean this is spelled wrong? I've been spelling it incorrectly virtually my entire life. Why? Because I practiced. Every time I wrote it in my checkbook, when I was growing up in college, I wrote cash withdrawal and I spelled it wrong and I never got feedback. Feedback. I never got feedback until Microsoft gave me the little red squiggly line that said, you're wrong. That's not how you spell withdrawal. But I just think that 
especially in the light of where, where we are right now, the pandemic has shined the light on the inequity that exists in our school communities. Because right now, we saw literally in virtual classrooms, some students have a lot of support at home. Yeah. And others don't. Yeah. So if we're assigning homework, if we're assigning take-home projects, assuming that there's the support that, that, is, that would be required to do it at home, and it's not, it's not, I think now, we've always talked about it before, it was in a bubble. Well, we, there's, not a, there's, there's, there's not a lot of equity and not everybody has the same support. I think one of the positives of the pandemic, we've actually seen it now. Yeah. We have seen the homes that mom and dad are sitting right there during virtual instruction because they can, but the other house, mom's working second shift, dad's working third shift, yeah. kiddos, kiddos, kiddos on her own and doing the, best, doing the best she can. So if we're assuming that the help is there, we got to stop assuming that. So, boy, that was a long rant on. No, it's good riff, though. It's good riff. And you know what? The other thing is, you know, uh, the I get the idea of it's a, it's like um, it's in the grammar of schooling that practice makes perfect. That we think yes. that homework is practice. So, hey, kids need practice. But the recent research around learning really exposes that learning is a social act. That we know mm. that learning is social. And 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 I think. It's hard to conceptualize. What do you mean learning is a social act? You, you mean that I have to have kids socializing to learn my, my classroom of mayhem? No, 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 no. Feedback yeah. is a, a social act. I write the word withdrawal. Some form of feedback gives me the social interaction that corrects my behavior and that I don't write it wrong the next time. So yeah, yeah. Homework is practice. And that's totally part of the grammar of school. We've always done it the way we've always done it. Practice makes perfect, but it doesn't unless that social component reinforces the correct behaviors. And so, yeah, man, your rant is super legit. It, it, it's, uh, I love the homework piece. I love it. I love practice, it. Practice doesn't make perfect. Pa practice makes permanent. Perfect. <laughs> it's true. Perfect practice makes perfect. But if yeah. you're practicing the wrong way, yeah. continually, and you don't get the feedback, you become an expert yeah. at doing it the wrong way. Look and at my golf game. My golf game. There we go. Mine too. And, and spelling the word <laughs> withdrawal. I, I had to like, I still have the hardest time. It's like, how is that word spelled? Cause I did it for like 30 years the wrong way. The wrong way. So, yeah. It's good, man. It's good. It's good. So, do you have a, do you have a final one? I got the last one. I get, the, I get my last one. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll try and lay it out and we'll probably press for time. Cause you and I, man, we could talk all. We yeah, could, we could. We could, go, we could go hours. <laughs> but um, I think that somewhere in the grammar of school, somewhere back in the beginning of time, we decided that tracking was okay by ability. Uh, somebody decided that tracking or segregating was okay based on all types of identi identities. And I am a 100% wholehearted uh, believer in, in full inclusivity. Um, and, and um, you know, typically I utilize that word to, to uh, identify students with disabilities. But, you know, in this current um, era where we talk about equities and inequities and systemic inequities for students of color, for multilingual students, for students of poverty, um, this word inclusivity uh, should really call should call out more than just how we structure our, our, our lesson plans, but really um, the way we analyze and observe our own biases. Like, how do I believe a student looks? 
it then starts to, to manifest in my classroom of who gets preferential uh, treatment in my classroom. So I think the easiest way to call that out, though, is around the topic of students with disabilities. Um, I believe that we all benefit when children are all uh, in class together. And to say that this child with um, a cognitive disability uh, belongs in a separated classroom from their grade level peers is 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 not true inherently for that child or for the peers. Now, mm -hmm. again, I go back to like, I am not saying to the to the grade level teacher, hey, Mrs. Smith, you're going to have uh, 28 students in your class this year. Uh, one of them is going to have Down syndrome. Uh, uh, one of them is going to be a student with severe, uh, uh, modest, severe disabilities, uh, like cerebral palsy. Palsy and 26 year students are going to be uh, more typical uh, developmentally. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we have to staff appropriately for full mm -hmm. inclusivity and we have to train appropriately. And it can't, um, but, but my goodness, I can't imagine a world where it's okay to continue saying, hey, you know what? Your kid doesn't really fit in with what we consider to be average. And yeah. so we're going to send your kid to a different place. Um, and I know we lean on that for a long time and said, well, it's better for them and it's better for everybody else. But there is brilliant research out right now that says that's totally incorrect. And it's been my personal experience. Brent, I can tell you stories that will bring tears to your eyes. I I'll tell you, have a student who came to my school uh, is an, as an eighth grader and I, I lead a K-8. And this child had been um, secluded in special education in a, in a room, She uh, non-verbal, uh, non um, uh, comes to my school in eighth grade and we say, hey. Just so you know, like she's been mainstreamed in our eighth grade class. Uh, the first day she came to our school, uh, she she didn't make it past the flagpole without um, without bursting into tears and and tantruming. And and you know what? Six months later, uh, she was at the middle school dance, dancing, holding awesome. hands with her best eighth grade friends. All these little girls that were just best friends. Uh, at the end of the year, she was in the talent show up on stage doing the school dance. Um, she learned uh, uh, to write her name and to read uh, some, some, some uh, uh, single syllabic words that she had never had access to before. And partly is because she was mainstreamed around people who just kind of were like, oh, you're a human being. So are we. You want to yeah. be friends? And man, I got to tell you, dude, mm -hmm. I'm a 23-year veteran. Nothing has moved my heart more than what I saw uh, in that little case study right there. And I think to myself, if I had uh, gotten that child in my class, in my school as a kindergartner, what could we have done? Before what would we, yeah. And so I just say that like this, it's, it's an old template that says we separate kids uh, based on what we believe our ability tracking or any other type of identifier. Uh, a, a more modern concept for me is, Hey, kids belong with their peers and we need to put the supports in place to make sure those kids are successful. And that means it, you're not, I'm not putting it all on the one classroom. Yeah. Teacher. I need 12 teachers in that classroom to get 28 students across the finish line. Then that's what we need. But um, to me, there's nothing more important because, Hey, I'm a father. And, and if you're going to tell me that my kid doesn't belong you, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Hey, man, uh, like these are children, and children belong in classrooms. And so that's kind of my my rant of like, how do you, how would you break the system? How would you rewrite the test? I would say that all means all, and that it's not up to the families to accept something less than mainstream. It is up to the schools to redesign mainstream to be accepting and appropriate for all. Gosh. Preach it, man. That that's it's awesome. Well, and, and I no, and I, I I love what you said. Oh, you're a human being. I'm a human being too. You want to be friends? 
Yeah, because that's what because that's what we see. I mean, how many and, and look the examples that you said of look what happened at the end of the year. She's on to doing the talent show. She's at the dance, and it goes back to what you said at the at the beginning. Your first point, which was staff it appropriately. Can, I mean, because yeah. I love you're not saying, and I love how you you went back to it uh, more than once. We're not just saying put it on the teacher where because you still have to provide support, and if you need twelve teachers in that classroom, to, then okay. Provide the support, but yeah. without denying them the opportunity to be yeah. with with their peers. I all, all, this whole topic of this podcast today for me, you know, is if we're rewriting edu, it it can't be putting more stuff on the people that are in place today. If we're rewriting education, you got to start from the ground up. You got to start from, from from funding and staffing and construction and facilities, uh, all of it because. What we typically would add you is go, hey, we got a great new idea. Uh, teachers, do more with less. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it ain't going to work. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. All right. I'm going to give uh, one one yeah, more quick, and it's going to be a quick one. And, and it, it, it kind of just, the way that we've always done things doesn't have to be the way that we continue to do things. And I think, again, the current pandemic has shown us, hey, well, you know what? There's actually some more efficient ways to do things. Yeah. You and I, you're in Northern California. I'm in Southern California. We're speaking, looking at each other via Zoom right now. Right. Now, a year ago, year and a half ago, the world didn't even know what Zoom was. Now, you and I are communicating, having a great conversation. We've had IEPs this way. Yep. We ended up having back to school night this way. We yep. had our parent conferences this way. So when we go back to normal, the air quotes. And again, our theme next year is not going to be, be it's going to be back to better. Yeah. I, he I heard somebody say that and I love it because yeah, you had normal, but normal didn't work for everybody. So what about, so let's go back to better because we now have new tools in our toolbox. And I'm going to use Zoom as an, as just a very simple example, but how many meetings do you end up going to in a, in a typical week pre-pandemic? Could some of those meetings be held virtually? I think they could. And now it eliminates the 20-minute drive to each way to the district office to go to that. I mean, could, could we continue to do that? What about the parent conferences where the parent virtual, actually, it worked, it worked really well for them. And they don't have a car. They can't get right. here. Could we continue to offer? Again, maybe we have a, you want in-person or you want virtual. Now we're offering the best of both worlds. We're giving those parents, we're giving those families a choice. School site council, same type thing. We had to do that virtually this past year. Next year, looks like we're going to continue to do that virtually because it's easier for so many of the parents on the council who don't have to trek around town and do that. Yeah. We can. I, so I just think just because it's the way we've always done it doesn't mean we have to keep doing it that way. Now we could... But the, if there's a better way, keep right. doing it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know, interject with it. So Here, I'm done. Go. But, but we use this in my team all the time. We go, hey, is that pot roast? And, and our story on pot roast is this, right? Uh, this guy uh, goes out and gets a pot roast and brings it home and uh, puts it on the butcher block and cuts the end off and cuts the other end off and throws the ends of the pot roast away and then throws it in the pan and starts cooking. His wife goes, hey, man, what, 
why do you cut the ends off the pot roast? He goes, oh, I, I don't know. I got this recipe from my mom. It's the way she always did it. So one night he calls his mom. He says, hey, mom, I, I chopped the ends off the pot roast and throw them away. Why do I do that? Uh, why did you? She goes, oh, oh, because my pot roast pan was too small. So I always cut the ends up. And so this guy for years has been cutting the ends of the pot roast. Up. So my team always says, this little joke we always say is like, is that just pot roast? Are we just doing what we've always done because we learned it to do it that way, but it no longer applies to the size pan we have today. And we've been asking ourselves a lot as we come out of the pandemic, mm -hmm. like, hey, dude, is that just pot roast? I should we know. just, should we keep doing our board meetings on YouTube? Because nobody came to our board meetings. In the yeah. Past. Now we're getting like 150 views on the board. Yes. Why would we go back? Yeah. Isn't it more transparent this way? Haven't we just reinvented it in a better way? So yeah, man, uh, I love it. Let's not always do it the way we've always done it. Let's not do the pot roast. I love, I, I'm, I'm going to be borrowing that. What a great yeah. example of what's well, cause my pan was, my pan wasn't big enough. Right. You, so you're telling me I didn't have to do that or I was throwing away perfectly good pot roast Every just time. because the pan wasn't big. Uh, I love it. I love it's it. Good. It's good, man. Well, once again, this did not disappoint John. Thank you, man. I, I loved riffing with you on this. Uh, thank you for taking the time, my friend. Hey brother. It's a, it, it is always a pleasure. I love, talking ed you with you and i just uh i'm a big fan of you and your podcast i can't believe this is your 95th episode it is an honor to be here uh jamming with you and to share the screen with captain kirk i mean that was <laughs> epic man <laughs> it's I, this was fun again this is one that i've wanted to do for a while and i appreciate i i as i always do every time i talk with you i have learned something new um so thank you i i appreciate it and for anyone again who is unfamiliar with John Ike, for the the couple of people who how 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 can they how can they learn watch what how can they learn with John Ike? Hi, thanks for tuning in to Learn with John Ike podcast. Yeah, I got a little podcast. It's called Learn with John Ike podcast. It's spelled E I C K. It looks like Ick, but it's Ike. So you can uh, look up Learn with John Ike E I C K, or you can find me on the Twitters at John underscore Ike. Uh, yeah, man, I'm out there. Anybody wants to jam, Ed, you. If I said anything that, uh, that tickles your fancy, you want to jam on, I'd love to jam with uh, anybody on any Ed, you topic. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I love your podcast. I love it, man. Thanks, For anyone who doesn't, you got to listen to it. It's just John doing what John, what he just did. Just, just, you get to learn with John Ike. It's just awesome. Riffing. Just riffing, just riffs yeah. and it's, it's, it is awesome. So Thanks, thank brother. you, John. And for everyone listening, thank you. I mean, 95 episodes, that's, it's crazy. And, and as I typically say, it's like, and even if nobody listened, right, it's okay. My mom listens, my dad listens, and I get something out of talking with guests. So thank you for listening. If you haven't done so, be sure to subscribe uh, in your favorite podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or you can listen on my website at brentcoley.com. If you're looking for a summer read, I've got a book called Stories of Edu Influence, Real Life Stories from the Classroom and Front Office that will remind you, especially in this year right now, so easy for us to be like, gosh, did I make a difference with these students or the adults that I serve? And the answer is a resounding uh, yes, you did more than you realize. And that's what I tried to do was sharing the stories in my book. So, uh, you can get that on Amazon called stories of edu influence, John, thank you once again. Uh, have a great, have a great summer because you're, we're coming up on summer as we're recording. Have a great summer. For those of you listening, you have a great summer and until episode 96, have a good one.